you know, the idea of identity and reputation, uh, again, in my opinion, is, is through consistency, right? What are people seeing of you in various situations? Because as we all know, we're, we're dynamic people that aren't, aren't linear, just, just workers. You know, we have families, there's community, there's church, there's our industry and the civic organizations, right? So the idea is if, and where I see most of the, of the challenge when I'm talking with leaders about this, you know, helping to build their reputation or build the brand, it's they're focused in one area. Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast where your host, Ryan Tansom, brings you all the information you need to exit your company and explore what life can be like on the other side. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Life After Business podcast. This is episode 123. Today's episode was a fun one for me because it's really relevant to me and what I'm doing with this podcast, but I also think it's extremely relevant today with anybody that's in a leadership position that is dealing with leading people, having exposure in technology, and then running a business especially because today's episode is about your reputation and Mike Moody's on the show today because he wrote a book called Reputation Shift, The Lessons from Pit Road to the Boardroom. And I really enjoy talking to Mike because he has decades of experience in the world of reputation because of what he was doing with people's brands in NASCAR and how he was managing PR. And what we were talking about today is how your reputation as a leader and as an entrepreneur directly impacts how the whole world sees you, the value of your business, the culture of your employees, and what potential buyers are going to see when they're looking at the artwork of a company that you've created because your reputation trickles into every part of your business from the customers you work with, from the employees you hire, from how you handle problems, and what you've done and said that is now pretty much permanently out into the ether of the internet and the World Wide Web. So we talk about all the different ways that you can really get awareness of what you're doing, what you're saying, how you're actually handling decisions in the present moment, because each one of those micro decisions compound on top of each other to build your reputation. And I think what we've seen a lot over the last couple of years is people that never realize that those micro decisions build their reputation. And then when the technology layers on top of it, everything becomes transparent. So being very conscious and aware of the things that you're doing as you're building your business and as you're, as you're leading people, interacting with your clients, your vendors, your suppliers, building this reputation because your company's value is going to be directly impacted on what you've built. And then as a buyer comes in and looks at this thing that you've created, not only are they going to look at the financials, they're going to say, do we trust this person? Do we want to actually engage with this company? And what are the people like that this person hired? All of those things are so wrapped up into you, the consistency of who you are and how people view you and trust you. So I really think today's episode is an important one as it's relevant to everybody, no matter who you are. And I think it's something that we all need to be very conscious of because today is a little bit different with the transparency that we have. And I think it's far better to start making little decisions in better context today than it is to sit at that table with a buyer that doesn't trust you because of things that you've done in the past that you could have changed. So I really hope you enjoy this episode with Mike. And without further ado, here's Mike Mooney. This episode of Life After Business is sponsored by GEXP Collaborative. Their proven process gives you clarity on all of your exit options and how those options impact your financial success, timing, and future happiness. 
Sell your company on your time frame to the buyer of your choice at the price you want. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ryan, man. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, you bet. I, uh, you got a very interesting topic that you uh, have put your stake in and are, are riding. And I can't wait to dive into because I think it's a, it's a topic of reputation that I think is more important now than ever. And all the stuff that we see in the news, but all the stuff outside of that is it's really just like you had said prior to this call is that it, it's something every person deals with, whether you're an entrepreneur or even an individual. And so let's, for the listeners, let's go back and just say, okay, let, let maybe give them a couple of the milestones of, you know, how did you get into, you know, where did, where did your career start off on and how did you kind of come to the point where you wrote the book? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and again, th- thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited about this and excited to share the message for sure. Um, so really, this is something for me, uh, started 25 years ago. I was been in the motorsports industry uh, for 25 years, primarily working in communications, brand building, working with a lot of great brands, uh, Mercedes-Benz, Walmart, Tylenol, um, uh, Lowe's Home Improvement, to name a few uh, of them. And uh, I've got to see the sport from a couple different perspectives, from the agency side of, of the world to uh, the actual sponsor, the brand corporate side, as well as the, uh, the sports property, working for race teams. And, and throughout that time, a lot of my work was around how do you not only build and bridge um, uh, the, the connection between the brand and the consumer. You just happen to be using motorsports as that as that vehicle, pun intended, to <laughs> to really help drive sales and drive connection. But the underpinning of, of all that, Ryan, was this whole idea of protecting, shaping, uh, and, and managing reputation, and not just for the organization, but for the executives, for uh, the drivers and athletes that that I would work with. So. You know, over that time, uh, you know, a lot of the work was always or seemed to always be on the back end. After the proverbial crap hit the fan, it was always <laughs> that, what now? What do we do? And, you know, this idea of, of being more proactive, being more intentional, uh, being more deliberate with uh, the way that we were not only protecting and building, but also valuing our reputation was something that really started to, to bubble up. And um, it led me to, to writing a book about that, you know, and, and it started off, the funny thing is it started off as being more for the corporate brand side of it. But as I was writing it and this technology was evolving so rapidly, it's like, holy cow, no, this is for people. This isn't just for, for, for the brand or the organization, because the reality is that a brand's reputation is built upon the shoulders of the people who walk in every day, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it kind of evolved and shifted as, as I was writing it based on what I was seeing, you know, in the media and, and how technology was, was just rapidly changing the way that we had to look at reputation and more importantly, the opportunity it, can, it could, you know, bring, but also the impact that it could have for us. You know, so you mentioned earlier, it was funny what you see in, in the headlines and why it's important. I, I like to use the, the phrase when people say, well, you know, who is this message for? Basically, if you have skin and a heartbeat, you need <laughs> to hear it. <laughs> right, right. And you've got any kind of interaction with other humans on a daily basis, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, so that, that was the idea, Ryan. It was like, okay, so how do we take this, this idea of reputation, put it in a way that people can recognize the value, but then say, what can we do proactively? Because mm-hmm. it's a fundamental shift in empowerment, in my opinion, from asking the question, what if, mm-hmm. which is about, let's think about 
what we're doing and be more deliberate versus what now? Mm -hmm. What now is like, stop the press. Yeah, it's too late. Well, and this is what, what's interesting too, and we'll, we'll be able to unpack a lot of this stuff for the listeners and, um, and like, you know, some actual stuff on what they could be doing, you know, and, and what is, so when you think you knew you had given some stats too, cause like, like the reputation and the value that that is and the, the, mm-hmm. have you noticed, and as we kind of set some of the stage, um, is, have you noticed Mike that, okay, all this crap that has come come to light of all these people and one of the the, theory, the the theories and i don't know if you've got it in any of any of your research is that a lot of these people they grew up and they were went through a lot of their adulthood mm-hmm. literally without any exposure so they got to right. essentially do whatever they wanted and then they <clears throat> right. called out on it versus like yeah. and then you got the you know even the gen z where like they live they grow up in a world where they know everything's out there and i yes. I kind of fall in between there. Is are you, do you, is there a correlation between how people have managed themselves? Man, it, there, that, there's a lot in that. There's a lot in that. So, so let me, let me take a step back on that and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and kind of break that down. Cause you got some really great points in there. The first thing is a lot of the people now who are, who are the business owners who uh, may be in positions looking to sell and move on, or they're in senior leadership positions in companies. You're right. They did grow up. Uh, at a time uh, when they you didn't have social media, people weren't walking around as citizen journalists with their cameras rolling. I can tell you, I'm thankful for that as well. Um, or an iPhone, right? <laughs> exactly right. I mean, <laughs> we're always on, right? They didn't grow up with that. But here's here's the reality, and we're seeing this with the Me Too movement and a lot of these other issues popping up. Is it doesn't matter anymore, mm-hmm. right? Just because it happened in the past, it's still going to be brought up. So so there there is this sort of um, reality that we're living in right now from a reputation standpoint, and the impact that we're seeing, um, that people do need to be mindful of, of what they have done in the past. And then, you know, the hope is that people look at the body of work. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of these conversations now from things that happened 20, 30 years ago were snapshots in time. Um, look, I'd like to say that the person I was when I was 18 or 19 is much different than who I am today at 47, hands down. Right. Mm-hmm. So the idea is to look back at the body of work that that uh, that the person has done throughout the time that's building their mm-hmm. reputation. So that that's one part. The other about the Gen Zs, and you're you're right on. They've grown up with the exposure. They've grown up with this idea of always being on, but they don't always understand the impact. That's the that that's the scary part. They're okay right. with it. They understand it, but they don't understand the impact. And the impact today could be everything from the, the the a pass on an interview to a pass on a promotion, right? To I mean, it, it could be in relationships, networking. I mean, it mm-hmm. goes the list goes on and on. So it's it's then getting the people to realize and the, and the Gen Zs, you know, to, to realize the actual value of the reputation mm-hmm. itself. That's a super good point. And, yeah. you know, as before we even continue, like, what is your definition? And you have some cool stuff in the book. What is your definition of a reputation? And just so as we, yeah. as we continue the rest of this, like, what is it that you're referring to? What is the combination of variables that make that up in your opinion? Yeah. Yeah. So um, there are a lot of definitions out there for reputation. My, my simple one is your reputation speaks for you when you aren't there to speak for yourself pretty simple. I mean, when, when, when you think about what it truly does for you, it is there speaking on your behalf. So the question is, what's it saying? Mm-hmm. You know? And when you look at what makes up the reputation, there, there are a lot of different factors. I typically like to key in on two. Uh, one is values and the other is trust. 
you know? And a big point that I try to make in all this, Ryan, is, is that, well, I'll back up. You know, I was doing a talk a few months ago and I had a person in the audience say, well, it seems like you're kind of, you know, manipulating, you know, what people think of you and building your reputation and doing these, you know, plotting out, you know, the way you act and what you say and how you interact with people. It seems like disingenuous. And I said, that's a really interesting point. That's a good point, actually. I'm glad you brought it up. I said, it's only disingenuous if it's not true to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If it's not authentic to you, then yes, you are being disingenuous. You are manipulating a situation. So that's why I really make a big point that when you think about the reputation, your reputation, it's got to start with values. It's got to start with your values. So mm-hmm. in, in the book, I, I lay out an equation, which is kind of funny from a communications guy who's never really great in math, but I'm like, okay, I, I got to visualize this, you know? <laughs> and and the, the, the equation is simply this. Your values influence your decisions. Your decisions influence your behavior. Your consistent behavior over time is what becomes your reputation. So values plus decisions plus behavior over time equals reputation. It all I starts there. When I saw that, I was just like, totally makes a ton of sense. <laughs> <laughs> so you, 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 if you had one equation that communications guy came up with, you did, you right. did it right. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Nailed it. <laughs> well, and I think what's really interesting Mike, is that you, you have, so, you know, as we kind of relate this to entrepreneurs who have a unique thing that's been going on as they're, they, they become more than their businesses where there's a lot of, you and I were talking about, there's a lot of challenges with that. A lot of these entrepreneurs or business owners where they are their businesses and there's this whole decoupling that should happen with them. And then who are they? And mm-hmm. how does that work? And how do you determine what the reputation is? And it trickles into their trade industry to all like what their competitors say about them to their employees. I mean, it is a big deal because they've been in the limelight Mm -hmm. even before the, the, the quote unquote, you know, social media or the internet kind of took that. So they've always kind of been there. So what is your experience out of all those variables? And then you had mentioned a stat that I want you to kind of recite Mm. um, the, the value, like the, like the perceived value of that company and what the owner's done over time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it it is, it's it's an interesting sort of like knot that you have, if you want to think of of, of the visual, (laughs) right. Of, of the business and the owner, um, their personality and, and gosh, let's not even throw an ego. Okay. Let's, let's, (laughs) right. right? Which is a big part of that knot. It, it's a huge part, and that's typically what gets things wadded up and knotted up. You know, is is the ego, in, in all of this. You know, uh, because you know, there's a saying that we used to to use is, is unfortunately when you get to, you know, a, a pretty high point in your career, your industry, wherever it might be, you start to believe your own PR, right? <laughs> so you, you've got to keep yourself grounded in, in in that sense. So you know, the idea of identity and reputation, uh, again, in my opinion, is is through consistency right? What are people seeing of you in various situations? Because as we all know, we're, we're dynamic people that aren't, aren't linear, just, just workers. You know, we have families, there's community, there's church, there's our industry and the civic organizations, right? So the idea is if, and where I see most of the, of the challenge when I'm talking with leaders about this, and you're helping to build the reputation or build the brand, it's they're focused in one area. It's just my business. Well, okay, great. Well, what if the business goes away? To your point, what if it's sold? What, what, you know, then what? Who are Mm -hmm. you? 
Mm-hmm. What are you? So the diversification of your activity and the consistency that people see throughout all those touch points and experiences are what's going to drive your overall reputation. And, and to your point with the, that stat, yeah, basically, you know, the, the, the research has shown that, that 50% of a company's value is tied to their CEO's reputation. And, and you know, to, to give the, the simple example, you can see that in publicly traded companies, not to the 50% mark, but you'll see when a new CEO comes in, what does their stock do? Mm-hmm. Go up or down based upon the reputation of the results that they have delivered in their previous work, mm-hmm. right? So, Reputation, sometimes people think it's a soft skill. They think it's a nice to have. I mean, I would argue that across the board, it ties to the key measurements in, in business. So, so here are a couple others that, that I'll throw at you, Ryan, yeah. um, in terms of the importance and, and where reputation ties in. Um, new business, right? We all love new business. Lifeblood of the company, right? Mm-hmm. Got to keep it coming in. 65% of all new business comes through referrals. That's 100% based upon your reputation, your mm-hmm. referral rates. So you got to ask yourself, are we getting the referrals? Are we getting the business end? That could be an indicator of how you are and how the reputation is for your organization. You take it to, um, to your employees. Crazy stat right now, 84% of employees would leave their current employer to go work for a company that has a better reputation. Yep. So close your eyes for a second. I ask your listeners, close your eyes for a second and imagine 84% of your employees walking out the door. And who would they go to and why? Gosh, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Surely a competitor, you know, or, or you know, just out altogether. But you think about the intellectual capital that, the, that just walked out, the institutional knowledge that just walked out the door because mm-hmm. of something that you as the leader of the organization could have done something about if you were thinking mm-hmm. about it proactively. So then let's, let's peel it back even in one more layer too is of, okay, yeah. so where are, so what are the different things that you see, maybe a couple of different things in the inconsistencies, maybe in those different silos. So what are the challenges or the, the breaking points that you see of people that impact the reputation that they might not know is that? So maybe some kind of, maybe some of the fundamentals of the reputation, then we can kind of talk about what are the ways that people see that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> here's a really simple one uh, where, where it breaks off, Ryan, is that people don't think that what they do in the small moments matter. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, life is a series of small moments strung together. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they always think I've got to be on and be doing the right things when people are watching, when it matters, when I've got to be on, I got to make that big decision, whatever it might be. But you know what, what people are watching most is the day to day, the interactions you have, the decisions you make, the, the things you say or the things that you don't say, you know, mm-hmm. as a leader, those, those typically are those break points where, you know, people aren't looking at just the one big moment in time. There are those defining moments. There are those Tylenol moments in our lives where you've got mm-hmm. to make a, a huge decision. You've got to be on your game because a lot's riding on it. The reality is, man, that's not, that's, that's maybe 2% mm-hmm. of our time. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing the other 98%? How are you well, living out the values? How are you, you know, right, right. bringing that to life? And do you, do you see, Mike, that is it because of a lot of people are just reacting in the moments instead of actually consciously yeah. thinking about what they are? And is there, a, is there a correlation between that and not having like a set set of standards of how they make decisions, whether you call them values or principles or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had a, um, I had a CEO tell me this uh, about two months ago. 
I said, Mike, I, I feel like I've got two decisions. I can either make a great company or I can make next quarter. All right. Think about that. Mm-hmm. I can make a great company or I can make next quarter. So where, where that led me to believe, and I said, man, I, I, I get it. I understand that you have an immense pressure. You have, you have shareholders, you have a large employee base, a lot of responsibility. I don't think that those two terms have to be mutually exclusive, right? So I think if you build a, a great organization, you won't have to worry about next quarter or the quarter after that or the quarter after that. But to your, to your question is, I really do believe that that we are living in such a reactionary world right now where it, it, so much is coming at us. So much is coming at us. I mean, especially with, with business owners right now, new data, new information, new insights and trends, you know, different departments needing different things. Holy cow, you know, you make a plan, but what, what, what good is it when, when you get the next curveball coming in? So I think it really is people coming down to saying, I got to prioritize. And right now I'm going to prioritize the business and the product over, over me or my reputation. It sort of falls down that, that value uh, mm-hmm. chain, unfortunately. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that, that, that's just what I'm seeing and hearing right now. So like, and then, which makes it a, a ton of sense. And I think that prioritization gets flip flopped because of mm-hmm. pressures of needing to make the financial marks or whatever it is. And do, do you have it is, is also something in like, it, so Ray Dalio wrote a book called principles. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard of that book, but um, it's about like how the principles that he views his life and work and all this stuff. But it's like yeah. consciously saying like, if you were sitting across me, we're on video right now, but if you were sitting across from me, like, how do I deal with my phone when it buzzes? Like, you yeah. know, like literally consciously yeah. thinking about this and like, I'm going yeah. to be staring at Mike in the face yeah. and not pick up my phone because that's yeah. the kind of person I want to be versus like just mm-hmm. randomly doing stuff, which yeah. I think. Yeah. Or, I mean, but, but even like the little cues that, that you might make. So something that I've noticed, um, a gentleman did when I had a meeting with him and I, I said, wow, I, I really respected it. And I actually do it now. And it was the smallest thing, man. We sat down to meet. He's a busy guy. He's, he's running three companies. When we sat down, he had his phone. And you know what he did with his phone? He had it here. And he just turned it down. And he put it on, put it on the table face down. Just that little gesture. Just that little gesture told me that he was thinking about our time together, the value he was going to give to that. But that it meant enough that he was going to turn that phone down for the time that we had. Mm-hmm. Right. So that gets back to your point of, yeah, I, I don't think that people are really consciously engaging and thinking about the impact. I, I think, you know, in ways we're, we're losing connection with the personal touch that makes the personal connections meaningful, which mm-hmm. again, and gets back to reputation. If you want to tie that back, you know, I think we can all think of examples when we're meeting with somebody and you're in the middle of something and their phone buzzes and, and what do they do? They look yeah. right down or they pick it up. Oh, hey, just give me a second. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. But, but that's the other part of it too, you know, for, for leaders, and, and this, is, this is off topic perhaps, but I really think, now I don't, I'm going to take the word think, I believe that leaders today need to be ingraining the, these, these courtesies back and training these younger, and, and not just younger, but up and down the chain, because I, I, we all fall into it at any age. So I don't want to just pin it on, on the younger. And actually, generation. if I could even interject there for a second too, is I think that sometimes that I notice that it's funny because I think that the millennials kind of have almost some of the best etiquette yeah, because right? the baby boomers didn't grow up with this stuff. So they don't actually know how to manage themselves. And then the, the, <laughs> the Gen Z's like literally are just like, you know, plugged in and like just, you know, trudging along. So going, it, yeah. it, it, the, all, everything spans all the different, the, the different generations. 
Exactly right. Exactly right. So, you know, that, that was kind of a, a little, little off ramp there, but, but still I think is valid and important when we were talking about reputation, it's the interaction and, and, and the respect that you're showing somebody when you, when you're in that moment. So then if let's, let's talk about consciously building the reputation that you mm-hmm. want and then mm-hmm. how do you do that when you said earlier that it's your authentic, genuine self and how you are, how do you bridge those? So how do you build the plan and say, here's who I am or who I want to be. And maybe there's a process there that you can insi- uh, give us some insight on. And then how do I actually go do that? Cause mm-hmm. I think as we tie that back into what that means to have as a business and eventual exit. And then afterwards, I think there's a way that you can tie what you're talking about here into the, the essentially building the new vision and the new person that you want to be yeah. outside of your business. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a, again, a, a lot to go through and I'll, I'll try to kind of keep it high level for, for, for the conversation that, that we've got. But again, it all starts with the values. You know, I mean, it takes a person time to sit back and it's not enough. We typically rush to, to the do. We typically rush to, okay, I, I, I don't have time for the pre-work. I just, I know what I've got to do. Let me go do it. You got to ask yourself, why? Why am I doing that? Why am I doing it that way? Is it the way that I should be doing it that really aligns with, with who I am? So I would say, again, it, it all starts with, with values uh, and making sure that you're, you're dialed in with, with your values. Is it you know, of trust? Is it of, of courtesy or consideration? Is it about you know, whatever that is for, for you? And then quite honestly, it is consciously ensuring that you're living into that in your daily interactions with people in all the different areas, like I was saying before, not just in work, not just with, with your, your family, not just with church, because I think we see people, you could probably think of folks in, in your life that you've come across that you see them in one place and they're one way and you see them some, at church and they're another way, or you see them at, you know, uh, the, the restaurant. It's like, I don't, I don't know who you are. Right. right, because right. The, the consistency is, isn't there. So again, I start with values. You figure out how do you plug that in to all the areas of, of your life from there, and you use them as as your filters. Um, I use uh, I was big in, in scouting as, as a kid, and and, and my son, um, a proud dad, plug got his Eagle Scout uh, earlier in the year. Um, so we did a lot of a lot of time out backpacking out in the backcountry, and um, there, there's this this idea of the one degree of behavior, Ryan. Right, where if you take a compass, right, a head, and you have a you have your heading, you put it on on your due north. If you're one degree off that heading of of north, wherever you're going, we'll just call it north for the example. If you're one degree off, and you go, you know, you go a mile. Okay, you're going to be about 90 feet off of where you started. You can still see where, where you need to be. You can correct, get over there and stay on your journey. If you stay on that heading of one degree off from Charlotte, North Carolina and fly to Los Angeles, when you land, you're more than 50 miles off course. Mm-hmm. All right. So I love that example because it really illustrates the, the impact of short-term and long-term decisions that are just a little bit off of your values, right? We can rationalize things so darn well these days into, into decisions, right? And doing something for the short-term gain um, versus thinking of long-term. So I would say that's another part where people have got to ground and think about, am I, am I really, am I off a little bit? Am I on? Okay. Mm-hmm. So staying true to, to where you're going. Um, and, and the other part too, man, uh, I'll tell you that is really important and people get scared about is in order to understand your reputation and, and say, this is what I want it to be. You have to know what it is now. 
Right. 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 And that scares the crap out of people, man, because that means now I got to look in the mirror and it's not going to be just me looking in the mirror. I'm going to have to ask other people. I'm mm-hmm. going to have to really take a good hard look at how I've treated people, how I've worked, what, what I've, what I've produced. Right. So one of the things in the book, uh, one of the tips that, that I put in there is, is, you know, showing people how to do a reputation audit, how to really go out there and get a good sense of where am I right now? Where's that baseline? Mm-hmm. You know, because you can't fix something, you can't strengthen something if you don't know what it is that you're working with. So in the different, can, you know, the different actions that you keep talking about, like of that one degree and the thing. So I think a lot of people can think about the interactions that they have with people in face-to-face, like our phone, you know, example and stuff like that. But what are other ways that you see that the internet and social media has exacerbated the situation? Mm-hmm. And before you even uh, answer that question, I don't, are you familiar with Gary Vanderchuk at all? Yeah. 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 So I saw he, Gary. He, Gary. Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. He, I mean, he, he would be an awesome guy for you to end up doing an interview with or something like that because he, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I can find a way to make a connection, but like, I saw him speak. <laughs> my, and, uh, he said that like, you know, the internet just makes everybody more clear of who they are. Right. I mean, it's not like they're changing anybody. It's just more visual, like more exposure to how they're how they actually are as a person. So what are those different ways that you see that the internet and the social media and the avenues that people make decisions in that, that, you know, if someone's listening and they don't know, go, what else do I do? You know, that is digital world that that impacts this stuff. Yeah. So uh, it's funny. It reminds me of a, um, uh, of a cartoon that that I saw where it's uh, a guy sitting across the table uh, being interviewed. And the the gentleman who's the interviewing uh, manager says, well, according to LinkedIn, uh, it looks like, you know, you're very detail oriented, you're, you're driven and uh, you produce great results. But according to Facebook, you like Jack Daniels and you're very comfortable with your body. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, and, And I love that because, you know, that, that speaks to, again, this idea of, consistency, right, in the channels, and, and, and more importantly, what are we putting out there? Um, and and you're, you're, you're right, what, what Gary is saying about what, what the technology allows us to do of being out there is true, but the challenge is that it only creates a mosaic. We, we rarely get, unless we have a personal relationship where I see you and I interact with you in, in, in um, many different situations, the rest of what we see are mosaics, just bits and pieces of what we'd see on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or what have you. So that's why it's more important than ever that you really think about what is it that you're putting out there and is it representing who I want to be mm-hmm. and what I stand for and, and what matters to me. And then the, the key thing then is stringing that all together so that people, if they do check you out on LinkedIn, they see one thing, but it also is backed up and validated by what they might see on your Instagram feed or what they might see you posting on Twitter or if you're on Facebook friend, whatever that might Mm -hmm. be. So I would say, you know, it's first about, you know, you've got to do the pre-work, which is inside. You got to dig in and figure out what do I stand for? What do I want to be? What what do I want to be? Sometimes I even use this example and it's been used before is, you know, start with your legacy. What do you want your legacy to be? Mm-hmm. Right. What are those things? And it's not just about I sold my company and made a killing. You know, it's, it's what did you do in your family life? What did you do in your community? Right. So look at it from that multidimensional standpoint, write out that legacy statement of, of what it is 20 years from now and then work backward to say, how am I living into that? Mm-hmm. OK, so that, that's one step you can do. The other then is the internal work of getting your values lined up and making sure that you're really square with yourself and being true with yourself right? And mm-hmm. doing that work. And then, then it's deployment. 
Okay, how am I going to deploy this? What are the stories that I can tell? What are the way that that line back to my values? What's the way I can I can create and deliver value to people uh, with the skills that I have, right? And then I've acquired over these years that are going to help drive people forward, right? Mm -hmm. And then where do I put that? Where are the places that I go to tell those stories, right? Now, that's a very truncated example of sort of how you take it from the internal to then identifying, you know, where you deploy it, what you're saying, and then how it's seen across mm -hmm. the channels. But, um, you know, man, I, I'd say that, that it, it's critical, it's critical that, that people are being consistent and over time, you know, that's it's, the whole thing. It's not the it's quick crazy. fix. Are you familiar with that? Right. And, and so Rob, what he did was, which I find very interesting, what you just described about taking your values, the, the deploying of that, mm -hmm. and then, and then putting the story out there is a lot of these entrepreneurs, they, they, they have a struggle, Mike, f finding, you know, like, I bet you half of the people are like, I'm so sick of talking about my business. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's really, really, that's really? really that simple. We're like, oh. you know, it becomes like, it becomes a, a salary and distributions and they've been in the yeah. industry for 20 years and it's yeah. a financial asset for them. Yeah. What yeah. ends up happening? So then they're like, okay, so great, Mike. I believe everything you're saying, but I don't want to talk about manage IT or print anymore. I mean, who am I? And that's where yeah. there's this whole like identity piece, and then it comes down to, okay, well, how do you use your reputation to help your business, but also help re-identify who you are? And this Rob Duvet, he wrote, so he literally owned a printing business, mm -hmm. and he started it was like meditation and it was all yeah. about meditation and, and yeah. do nothing will actually better your life and so he started creating this whole you know brand around himself yeah i love that it felt, that he felt consistent and authentic in even though he yeah. still owned this company so i guess my point in that story is that i think they can do what you're saying because i if i were a listener and i heard that I'd be like i just don't want to talk about any of that stuff anymore and i don't know how to build a brand of me yeah. That that and without impacting the my business. Does that make sense? No, no, it it does. It does. You know, and and I'm I'm working with with some people where we're having that conversation where they're either you know they've been working in an industry for twenty plus years and they've been at the top of their game and now they've jumped out with a small startup and they they've got to you know start from scratch and they'll say, Mike, I've spent twenty years building my company's brand, but where the heck do I stand in this? You know, and and what do I do? And you got the people who are who are sitting there going. To your point, oh crap, I got to think about this now because I've just sold my company, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and I'd say you're not, you're not too late, but man, the clock is ticking. You know, if you're at that point, it's never too late, but you got to get on it. You've got to be thinking about that, about that now, you know? So I, I try to take people through, you know, a couple different stages uh, on that for, for their own brand. And, and, you know, basically again, starting with the values and what do you want to be known for? You know, what, what are those, what are those, those points, right? But then I threw out the RTBs, RTBs, right? Reasons to believe, right? Mm -hmm. So you say that you want to be known for, you know, uh, excellence or in, in your world, right? For helping business owners and, and, and families understand how to, to package, sell, and, and move through that whole very tedious and, and challenging process. What are the reasons to believe? Why should I believe you? Mm -hmm. Right? So you got to take stock in the work that you've done and the experience that you have to be able to say, no, well, this is why I've got the game because I've, I've lived in a, and I've done this. Okay, well, great. Now that you've got that, now, where do you want to put that? Where, where, where does it go? Like, and, and is, it, is it an offshoot? 
you know, would you want to create content that's going to help educate people? Okay, well, who are those people? Let, let's identify the target audiences. And then what are you going to say to them? Why does it matter, you know, to them, right? So you get this sort of like rhythmic process that, that mm-hmm. you go through um, that, that does for people who have been in the seat for a long time and they're jumping out can still leverage their experience through those reasons to believe. And that's something that I, I just, I, again, it takes that introspective time for people to sit there and say, okay, you know, I mean, I want to talk about my, my, my business anymore, but the business has done a lot for me mm-hmm. and it's actually going to help catapult me into the next chapter of my life. Well, and what's really cool, Mike, is so Dennis, who introduced us, he, <laughs> he also uh, helped me get Jay and um, some of the Halftime Institute people, which is this whole Great like- people. Be- yes. Right. Amazing. Yes. And yes. It, what I think that, that correlates to what you just said is there's this S curve, right? And what a lot of these, you know, the, for the listeners who are thinking about, okay, where do I fit right now? Where's my business and all that? Like, to do this while you have your cash flow machine and the yes. connections and your vendors and your customers and your employees is so much easier yes. than sitting in your office by yourself with a bunch of money in the bank with no connections. Now what? Now what? Because here, here's the thing, you know, what, what people have to remember in, in this conversation, especially with what you just illustrated there, because it's so true, Ryan, it's one word, relevance. Right. Relevance, right? And, and relevance is, is that one thing that will cut through the clutter, that will get people to put the phone down, that will get them to kind of minimize a screen to, to hear something, right? Well, and you got to ask yourself, when am I most relevant? Right. And it's when you're in the seat, like you said, it's when you're doing the work, it's when you can pour more value into other people, when you can take that experience and help drive something, when you can do something in the industry that's going to make a radical change for your industry, not just your organization. Mm-hmm. Right. People think larger than yourself when you're a leader. I mean, that, that's one of my opinion, but that's just one of the, the, the core principles of leadership is to think beyond yourself and your organization. What are you doing for your industry mm-hmm. to move it forward? Right. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be thinking about that now when you're game planning all these mm-hmm. things. So when I was talking about on, uh, earlier in the conversation about being more deliberate in the things you're doing, it's not manipulation. It's not. It's design. Mm-hmm. It's design. Right. right? right. Well, and it's, it's interesting. And I, and I don't want to, for the listeners, I don't want to be too self-serving here or not even self-serving, but like, honestly, Mike, that's it's why. It's your show, man. Do it. Right. <laughs> that's why I did the podcast. I mean, people that's are right. like, so uh, literally my, the, the last guy I just interviewed, actually, I, I did two back to back. So for the listeners, I actually do a little bit of preparatory work, but he's like, how do you monetize your podcast? I'm like, I don't. And he's like, what? And a lot of people are so, so confused. And I'm like, I've engineered a reason. Like I'm talking to you right now. This is awesome. Yeah. And so there's yeah. a reason that I get to spread my word that I believe in. Yeah. Right. And that's it. Absolutely. I mean, and, and it, but it, and it feels good, but it's like, it, yeah, it's an engineered deliverable right and i just i specifically don't do blogs because i can't spell so (laughs) i I like to talk and then you know video is a little bit so 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 do do the video log man take it and do it that way i know but then there's lighting and then i don't want to look like a Blair witch project and yeah but 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 you know what man though though it's so true but but what you just said is what like 97 percent of people struggle with right now right is is that that they're looking for perfection they're looking for to, to be so Put the ball in play, brother. You know, <laughs> that's that you'll be amazing. Right, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. that. I mean, yep. you, you, I know you know that. You just got to put the ball in play. 
and, and yep. it's amazing. It's amazing what will happen. And I'll, I'll you, say, you, for you my own- go back and listen to my first podcast. I haven't done it for a long time because it's so terrible, Mike. It right. took me like three weeks to launch that 15 minute segment, <laughs> and I have a stomach ache about it still. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Well, listen, there, there was there was something I read years ago that that said uh, I was a, a designer for a tech firm, and he said, "Look, if you don't look back at your first product with embarrassment, then you wait too long." <laughs> Check that box, right? You <laughs> get it out there, and then then you'll make make the the necessary improvements. Yeah. But I'll tell you from my my personal experience, man. So look, I was twenty five years in the motorsports industry, was you know in senior leadership positions, uh, managing tens of millions of dollars in partnership and sponsorship uh, money for various partners, and 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 um, I was this seed for what I'm doing right now was planted twelve years ago, Ryan. 12 years ago that this idea came about and I was just, okay, what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? And I would just keep working at it. And, and my wife would give me a hard time. She'd be like, what are you working on this presentation? You don't present it to anybody. You, you're doing all this material. I'm like, I don't know. I just have to do it. I just have to do it. And then it turned into the book and the book starts going. And it was like two and a half years ago that I started, you know, really focusing on my Instagram feed and focusing on LinkedIn and the messaging that I'm putting out and, you know, being deliberate in how I wanted people to see my brand. Because mm-hmm. I knew that when eventually, I didn't know when it was going to be, to be quite honest with you, man, I, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just knew I had to stay faithful in the process. And when the right time it would show itself, I, I would know. And um, it just happened to be, you know, in February of this past year. But the thing is, when I did transition and roll out, I had a body of work going back for two years, mm-hmm. you know, that people could look back to. I had a website up and going and I had blog posts and I had all these things going on that, that people could and look at. Oh, okay. Inventory, right? That was yeah. consistent. Well, it, and, and it's the credibility to say, okay, um, you didn't just cash in and now you're trying to reinvent yourself. No, there's, mm-hmm. you know, I am, I look at it more, I'm, I'm evolving myself. It's not a reinvention. Mm-hmm. It's an evolution because of 25 years of crisis management and reputation. Mm-hmm. It, this is, to me, I had no choice. I mean, I, I literally, Ryan, would go to bed with reputation in my mind. I wake up in the morning with it, reputation on my mind. Mm-hmm. I just could not get away from it. Well, and do you find that? Let's, let's take that thread for a second because I'm thinking about the the listeners who are sitting there going, okay. And it kind of goes down to our halftime folks again is what's your purpose? And I think a lot of people, the purpose might not be the business. The, might, the business might just be a financial asset for you, or it might be your purpose, but what in there is it? Is it your employees? Is it leadership? Is it creativity? And then there's a way to take that. Cause again, I think, you know, you coming from the markings, it's, it, I don't want the listeners to be scared of this brand or this, you mm-hmm. know, this like, no, it's just coming. I believe. And, and I'd love to hear your input on this is that yeah. you find your purpose, then you kind of don't give a shit what people think when you're out there. Like, <laughs> like, I'm so authentic to myself that yeah, if I'm yeah. idiot on my first podcast or if I do my first video, it's kind of mm-hmm. just like whatever because I was so, I enjoyed the process of putting it out there yeah. more than I cared about what people were going to specifically say because, but even though, and I don't know if that contradicts your your process either. So I'm curious. No, man, no, it, it doesn't. But, but what, it, what it points out quite honestly is, is that that's the exception, not the norm. I do think more people are waking up right now um, that, that, that they're, 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 you know, they're not sleepwalking anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I can do this job, but I know there's more out there for me. I just got to figure out what, what the heck that is. Right. Mm-hmm. 
but people still, I mean, the majority of folks, you know, still walk around with that armor, that protective armor around them because they don't want to be vulnerable. There's fear in that. So, so asking them to do that is going to ask them to go to a very uncomfortable place. Like I was talking about with the reputation audit, mm-hmm. it's like, what do people really think mm-hmm. ab- about me? Right. That gets to a very naked place with, with all of us, you know, but I, I would, I'd ask people to, to, to start with, with the question. It's really simple. You know, it's, uh, you know, what's your reputation worth? Right. So I'll ask you that question, man, you know, is so put a dollar value, Ryan, can you put a dollar value on your reputation? How well, and I'm going to go back to the Warren Buffett quote that he wrote, that was, that he's always, you can sell it for, I don't know, I'm going to screw it up and I know you've yeah. probably got it in the book, but it's like, you yeah. can sell it for a million dollars and you can't buy it back for a trillion or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Like, what is it? What is it? Yeah, I, and that, that one particular, is, I know it, it's just escaping me right now, and I apologize. Um, no, but it's but, along those lines, right? So no matter how much you sell it for, you can't, you can't buy it back for like quintuple no, or whatever it is. And You can't. You can't. You know, to go back and answer your question, I think that is, and I'm curious, and we're, this is just totally free-flowing here, is like, yeah. I, the, the, what, the, that, to answer that question, I don't even know at this point, but I read this book, uh, Seth Godin just came out with a new book for, that's amazing. It's called, this is marketing. Mm-hmm. And he has a very similar message to you of like, it's called permission marketing where people, he said that if you disappeared, people would miss you because of what you've been saying and how consistent yeah. and how much value you bring, which I think yeah. and that's, yeah. I, I, again, that would be when you would determine how much it's worth, I guess. And I don't really want to, do that? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, look, I, I'll let I'll let you up the hook on that because I mean, it. it I, I love the I, I just I love that question because it was really kind of what helped. You know, uh, was the book was born out of quite honestly. It's like put a dollar value on that, right? Because we always wait till after afterwards. So I usually get three answers to that. All right. So the first one, uh, I'll get some folks who will say, "Oh, well, you know, it, it's ten x. It's worth ten x what I'm making today." All right. So they're just trying to quantify based on their current salary and they're going to use a multiplier. Fine. There's usually that my bankers and, you know, the, the financial folks um, who are just like, no, I'm going to give you an answer, you know? And, and I say, well, that's fine. But I still think you're undervaluing it. Even at 10X, you're, you're way, way mm-hmm. under, undervaluing it. The other, the other one is, you know, um, gosh, I, I, uh, I never really thought of it that way, you know? Uh, I, I, I think it's priceless. I'm like, well, yeah, it, it is priceless. But the problem is with that one, qu- one answer is I haven't really thought of it that way is that we typically don't think about its value until after we paid a price, mm. you know? So what price are you, are you willing to pay for that? You know, that, that, that's the question, you know, that I would challenge your listeners to, I challenge you to is to say, you know, what is it worth to you? And are you willing to, to walk away from that? Just because you didn't give it the time to think about the contribution you can make. And that's really what it comes back to, right? I mean, mm-hmm. people might think, oh, reputation, that's ego. It's what I want people to think. Well, you know what? If you were to look at it differently from a more servant you know, mindset or heart place, um, it's really about what do I want to contribute and contribute mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Maybe you think of it that way, and that maybe eases that ego lens a little bit, but that's really what it's about. Well, and what's interesting, that, that how you worded that too, Mike, is that, so when, a, when and it kind of, I could go so many different directions about this, when, when you talk about <laughs> the, practic, the practical of, okay, so if I want to buy your company, 
Mm-hmm. So as a buyer, so that's when you don't know what your reputation is worth until that si- exact situation happens. So, you know, yeah. we, we, on this, on the show, we talk about due diligence and quality of earnings and taxes and growing the value and customer base, blah, 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 blah. But like you said, yeah. it's really going to be saying, okay, cause it, it literally as a buyer, as a business buyer, so much of that is based on trust and yes. understanding that I'm going to yes. be trusting what that seller is telling me. Mm-hmm. And so, what happens is, is a lot a lot of private equity firms or business buyers, Mike, will actually call the customers. Yep. Smart. And so, so Smart. And if you think about yep. all the reputation that boils all those micro decisions all the way down to how are those customers interacting with customer service? Yeah. It really yes. All trickles downhill and you're not going to know until way too late. Well, and, and that's exactly right. And it's too late at that point. It's too late. You can't fix it at that point because someone's going to walk away from the table. Mm-hmm. Right. Again. Based on something that you could have done and worked with and handled if you've been proactive instead of the, the what now, what, what do we do now? You know, and, and, and that's where, you know, one of the, the um, exercises I like to take groups through on this, um, on this journey really is the idea of exploring risk, right? People don't like to do that, but I believe that there's huge opportunity in risk and identifying what risk is there to your business right now. And I'm, and I'm not talking about the business resiliency and then if the power goes down or, if, you know, the boat doesn't make it across the channel. And, and all. I'm talking about what are the risks that could happen to your organization that are going to impact your reputation, mm-hmm. okay? And it's not just to your company itself. I, I like to take people a step further out and talk about their industry, right? So as an example, like if you were in the home mortgage business, right? In say 2008, <laughs> 2009, right? Yeah. Right. Great times for it. But you didn't have to work for countrywide mortgage that if you talk to someone that says, Hey, Ryan, what do you do? Well, I'm in home mortgages where the stink of what was happening in that industry was, was not going to rub off on you. Mm-hmm. Right. Therein lies opportunity. Right. If you're looking at what's being said about your industry, what are, what are customers saying about it? What's going on in the news? And then find opportunities to actually stave those off. Mm-hmm. Right. Create protection, which then creates distinction. Hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can absolutely now, and that's kind of like that Tylenol moment where Tylenol had their own issue with their, with their capsules, but they did something that wasn't just good for their, their particular company. It was across the industry mm-hmm. that set a new industry standard that then they can start using in all their promotions, their customer service, their sales. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where I challenge business owners and leaders to really think about risk in a way that can actually help them drive their business mm-hmm. well, and reputation. And I think, so there's the big, the big monumental things. And I'll give a, 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 another example of that too is, and my dad just, you know, hammered this into my head from a, from a long time ago. We used to have this big cost, you know, like when he was like barely growing and making like no money back in the, when, in the early days, one of the, our big customers, he took an entire order back and just like ate like a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. And, he, and they never, wow. Wow. they were our staple. It was, just, it was kind of the Tylenol moment. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, that's a big, great example. And there was a specific hard cost to that. But then, you know, you can't really quantify the reputation thing after that. But I think, you know, outside of those examples, Mike, is like the, the, the small micro ones. And, and I think, you know, the, I remember what I was going to say earlier is Robert Caldini. I don't know if you've heard of his book, Influence. Mm-hmm. And one of the top six ways that people build influence and that's in the, in the psychology of people, the, the one, one of them is consistency and how you show up. And so how describe like maybe a little bit more detail of what you mean by consistency. 
Mm. Well, it, it is sort of what, what it says. It, it is in various situations being consistent with who you say you are right? It's walking that walk, not just talking, talking the talk. So it really is. And that's tough. It's not easy. It's not easy. Because like I said before, you got so many different competing things going on in your head of, of rationalizing a decision for the short term, uh, you know, maybe, you know, just internal fear uh, of, of failure or whatever it might be, or, or the rejection, what have you. But um, no, consistency truly is just that. It, it is showing up with those values that you're living out. I mean, I look at organizations like Chick-fil-A is, is a great one, right? Where they're consistent with their values, not only in how their leadership shows up, but you see how it's woven through all the different aspects of their business and that their employees buy into it, mm-hmm. right? So that's consistency. As a leader, it's not just for you showing up, but if you're looking at your organization, it's how the rest of your company is showing up and living into it. Now, I'll share with you a really scary statistic that I came um, across earlier in the week from a, a Gallup poll that said, basically 27% of employees actually believe their company values. You believe that? Unfortunately, probably, but that, that's so pretty crazy. 73% of employees don't. How scary is that? Mm-hmm. Right. And that gets back to authenticity. That gets back to the leadership, right? It, it comes back there. So, so in, in that space, you think about consistency, there is as individuals, how we're showing up, in all of our various situations, which means that we've got to keep our emotions in check, right? We can't fly off the handle. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's the inconsistencies that, that drive people to distrust you. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. So, so which Ryan am I going to get today? <laughs> Have you ever been around people like that? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, like a lot of people and, you know, and I don't think people, I totally agree. And I think, and that's why Robert in his book talks about that is because I want to just consistent. Like if I'm going to talk to Mike today, is he going to be short and tempered with me or is he going to be loving and listening? And, or is like, and I think it's that trickles into the whole operations, right? Like, or am I going to get my bonus or not? Or am I going to get this or am I not? Or how are they going to deal with this sales leader? Like, how am I going to do like, you just, you know, the thing is people, I think just give up and they're just like screwed. I don't want to like engage with this person anymore because it's too much work. Well, it, it is. It's draining emotionally, physically, you know, mentally. It's all, it's all of those things. You know, that's where it, it's funny. You know, the, the word blind spots come up, right? So, so two things. Let, let me jump back. The one point you said to where you said, hey, what mic am I going to get today? Is it going to be short and curt? Is it going to be loving and listening? I think there's a place though too, and, and this is again into values and being transparent and authentic with people that if I'm having a bad day, I want to be able to say, Ryan, look, man, I'm having a bad day. So I'm probably not going to be all in on this conversation right now. And if I'm, if I'm a little short, um, it's not really you, it's this other stuff that's bleeding into our conversation. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think that goes a long way, but I also think that, um, and vulnerability, and there's there's an amazing strength and vulnerability that I don't Mm -hmm. think many leaders own or, or embrace quite honestly, because I've always got to be on with my stoic mm-hmm. approach to make sure the troops are following me. I understand that, but I also believe, and I've seen an experience where just that little bit of a nod to say, look, I'm dealing with some things right now. So can we either push this call off and talk later or we'll do it you know, now? Mm-hmm. Um, but the other part in this idea of blind spots, and this is one of the strategies that I, I lay out in the book, is that we all have them. 
right? And, mm-hmm. and, and when people ask me about uh, racing and motorsports, they say, oh man, you know, the, the driver's got the most important job or it's the pit crew, they got the most important job or the crew chief. Actually, the most important job is a person named the spotter. Okay. Now the spotter is the person that stands high atop the racetrack and they've got binoculars and they're able to talk to the driver and the crew chief the entire time during the race. And that's that spotter's job to see what's going on in those driver's blind spots when they're driving 200 miles an hour inches away from each other. So they, they see what's happening. They can't see it because they're so focused on what's happening outside of the, of the race car. Mm-hmm. But the spotter will tell them, Hey man, you got a car on the inside. You got a car on the outside. Don't go up don't go down or, Hey, there's a wreck unfolding in front of you. Get down low fast. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'll, I'll use that analogy and take it out and and ask leaders. So who are your spotters? Who are those people in your lives that that are going to tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear that are going to help you. And they will help save your reputation quite honestly, and and help Mm -hmm. you see things that you're just not seeing because you're so focused on the next quarter, right. Mm -hmm. Or that merger or that deal. So that's something else I'd offer up to folks and that's going to help them with consistency. I'd, that is amazing advice. Cause I think, I mean, now that if I look at my, my situation, I, I've got those people, but you don't really articulate it that way until you, you consciously think about it and you're like, Oh yeah, totally. Like if I'm, am I, if I'm showing up differently or this or that or the other thing, they'll like, they'll notify yeah. you and whether yeah. they're work or personal and, um, yeah. and that you're going back to your point, And then I think we probably got to kind of get rolling here is that, um, is that it, but the coolest principles that I is that Ray, Ray Dalio's book when he said radical truthfulness and radical transparency, yeah, meaningful relationships and meaningful work. What because what happens is it's like the, the it's like the bare bones truth where you say because whether you're upset or not upset, but if you're telling me why, that that's what I expect. So I expect Mike to be honest and truthful all yeah. the time. You, yeah. you know, your emotions might change, but like it's just like, yeah. and I think that's there's a high degree of respect to that and consistency that people that's what people want yes you know? that, 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 that's hard. that connection it goes back to the connection that, that you're going to treat me like a human and that uh, you know i understand i have things going on in my life so l- l- let's Talk let's have that moment yeah, <laughs> right i'm not going to think any less of you quite honestly you don't have to give me the details i don't need to know about all of it you could just look yeah. just uh, okay man i get it so i'm going to give you i'm going to give you some margin right now to help work through it or i might even say hey let me take some more off your plate mm-hmm. to help you out because mm-hmm. people generally do want to help each other you mm-hmm. know so, because we've talked about a bunch and it's all amazing stuff, if you, if, <laughs> and for the people that haven't listened to the book, we'll have the book um, uh, in the, the link in the show notes, um, but is there anything that is like the big takeaway or action items that you, that we might've mentioned that you want to highlight or something that we haven't talked about that you want to leave the listeners with? Man, that is a, that is a really... Um, <laughs> Tough question. Uh, yeah, you know, because there's there's a lot to that. You know, I I, w- I would just say this: the, the the takeaway the takeaway for me, quite honestly, is that if you're not managing your reputation, it's being managed elsewhere. You know, and it's out of your hands. It's out of your hands. So so, would you rather you know be involved in that or or not? You know, and and be have the strength and the courage to to ask the questions, ask people, mm-hmm. what are you seeing? Am I consistent? Am I inconsistent? Where am I not showing up the way that I think I should? You know, mm-hmm. and then have the guts to listen to that and thank them for it and thank them for it. I you know, 
amazing advice. Yeah, yeah. it's super actionable. What the what is the best way for the listeners to get in touch with you, to find the book, to find more of your information, to find your reputation? Awesome, man. So yeah, you, you can uh, go to mikemooney.com. That's M-O-O-N-E-Y. So mikemooney.com. Uh, you can find the book on Amazon as well. But if you buy it through the site, then I get a trigger and I can sign it for you and send it out. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and then um, my social handles are at Mike underscore Mooney. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. That's awesome. Mike, I had a blast. I'm super happy you came on the show. Yeah, man. Listen, Ryan, I, I thank you. And I think the work you're doing is, is just so needed. So thank you for putting yourself out there and, uh, and doing this great work. You're helping a lot of people. And thank you for that. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Well, I hope you guys all enjoyed that interview with Mike. This is a really fun topic because it's really the stuff that matters today. And as a leader and as an owner of a business, you should be paying attention to every single interaction you have with the people that you come across every single day, your employees, your vendors, your customers, anybody that you're touching has a ripple effect into what they think about you, what they think about your business, what they think about your culture. And it is directly related to how people perceive you, not only internally, but what the future buyers are going to look at you. It's I, th- I really believe that the, the culture that we create in our companies, that is what's really lasting. Small giants, Bo Burlingham, and there's so many organizations out there talking about the cultures and that you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. So if that's the case, then what you're doing trickles into your whole organization and therefore creates your reputation. Your culture is a reflection of you. So whether you're going to do an ESOP, an internal transition, or some third party goes to your website, calls your customers, interviews your management, it's all going to come out. So do the right things now, because not only will you feel good about it, you'll create a really, really lasting impact that is positive with everybody else. And you will get more value for your business and have a higher degree of a probability of getting the exit and the potential buyer that you want. So if you're already living every day with intentionality in your interactions of knowing that you're doing the right things, being authentic to yourself, being positive to everybody else, then keep doing it because you will be rewarded on the other end. But then also if you're not and you just are really just fighting fires all day long, knowing that fight those fires with more specific, intentional, positive, and motives that are true to who you want to be and start creating the person that you want to be because it's going to tie into your business. It's going to ripple through every interaction and every relationship you have in your business and you will get rewarded for it when you eventually exit because it's just the right way to live. And it's a lot of work, but I really hope that if there's one takeaway we have from this episode is that you just you just think about it because it's worth it. So if you enjoyed the episode, go on to iTunes, give us a rating. Otherwise, I will see you next week.